It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. All right, for today's Locked On Reds and... I also realize that every time I start an interview with someone, I say, all right. I don't know why I do that. I just do that. And I did it again. So whatever. We're rolling with it. Today's episode, I'm talking with my friend and yours. I talk to him quite a bit, and he's probably tired of hearing my voice, but I'm glad he keeps coming on the show. Doug Gray, the man over at Red Leg Nation and RedsMinorLeagues.com. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right, all right, all right. I'm sorry. I had to. I had to, and I'm going to apologize right now, but I had to. There's something wrong with me, everybody. You probably already knew that. <laughs> how, how, you, how you doing, Jeff? I just, I, I don't know why I do that. It's like a thing, and I mean, I'm just going to lean into it now. We're going to say, all right, at the beginning of every interview, and if I don't do it, that means that I've been taken hostage by somebody or, or that, something. That, like. That's your kind of wink at the microphone, like uh, somebody <laughs> sent help? Yes, that's the that what was that tweet that was going around? It was like if I tweet this sports take, you'll know that something's gone horribly wrong and my whole thing was bunting works or something. I forget. Yeah. Now it's just you don't start off an interview with all right. <laughs> yes. We're we're getting far more nuanced here. Oh man, I'm this this uh safe in place thing has done something to me. I mean, beyond the fact that I've taken up yoga, my wife has gotten me doing yoga and I'm actually lost a little bit of weight because of that i i don't know what's wrong with me there's there's clearly something wrong though it's science jeff it's science yoga means weight loss those, <laughs> those are the rules i mean i'd like to i'd like to think that i'm a driven person and speaking of driven people there was this video that you shared from trevor bowers uh media company momentum is that his company that's his company right as far as I know, yes. He speaks of it like it's his company, so I'm going to go with yes. yes. I haven't yeah, seen the paperwork or anything, but yes. And you you uh, wrote a little bit about it, shared it at Red Leg Nation. It intrigued me to know in because he is a very interesting person. And I, I got to, I, I mean, hand up, I, I'm very intrigued by him i'm going to be very sad if we don't get baseball and we don't get to see him pitch this year for the reds because i like the deal i like that he is a red but at the same token (laughs) i don't think i could ever be near as driven or as crazy like thinking about everything how on earth like watching that video what was your main takeaway from that i mean realistically i mean i wrote about it at red lake nation he's just so driven and passionate about the things that he's into. I mean, I, that that's kind of the thing that I came away with. You know, he talks about, you know, the things that he does off of the baseball field. He's running several businesses. Mm-hmm. And, like, he, he's speaking about, you know, just editing the video himself. Now, 
Trevor Bowers made roughly $50 million in his career playing baseball over the last decade. Um, he still edits his own video. I, I'm kind of <laughs> in that world where, you know, I edit video. Sometimes I don't do it for a living. But, you know, I've, I've spent the last, I don't know, 20 years of my life editing video. <laughs> and you can just hire somebody for like 20 bucks on Fiverr to edit your video. Trevor Bauer can afford to do that, but he wants to do it because that's kind of what he's passionate about is putting things out there. And he gets that kind of final say on things. And it's just like, okay, I, I, I can relate to that in, in, the, in the sense that when you're really, really into something, like you want to do it. And even though Trevor Bauer can easily pay somebody else to do that. And it, it, that's the thing that really stood out is that's not even something that is like, not difficult to give up control over to someone else like that's just putting the clips together that you already recorded saying exactly what you wanted to say but he wants to really just kind of have that all in on him like and i i I just that that's what stood out to me is just how crazy it was that you know he was so passionate about what he was doing that something as simple as that that he could easily hand off to someone else he's like now i'll do it I'll, i'll do it on the plane on the plane during the season it's fine I think the the mark of a person that is far more driven than I will ever understand is they find a way to expedite food and eating. And at the beginning of his video, that's what he did. He he made breakfast in a blender. He's a monster <laughs> for what he did, by the way. Yes. I just want to put that out there. Yeah. I was watching that. I'm like, what? What are you doing? What are you doing to those poor eggs? Fry them. Trevor, cook your eggs, man. Cook your eggs. <laughs> I just, oh man, I couldn't. But it also made me think. It was one thing, um, a a a guy who we all know very well for being probably the exact opposite. Now he he was driven, but he definitely was not near as smart. And I don't think he thought about anything near as much as Trevor Bauer does. It, it reminded me of a conversation I had um, about Matt Latos. And what would a conversation, how long, first of all, would a conversation between Trevor Bauer and Matt Latos last? Eight seconds. I just, it's so, because like, I remember the story about uh, Matt Latos, this particular player talked about pregame warmups and going out and tossing with them. And he said that Latos would literally make like eight or nine tosses. And then he'd go to long toss for like 20 seconds and then he's like all right are we done here and this particular player was like um dude i just started and it's just it, it was like something goofy and then you look at this video where matt late you know matt latos would look at this and be completely lost because trevor bauer's like i'm an engineer and i think matt latos would be like i play baseball <laughs> yeah i mean it I mean, I, I don't know how everybody goes about their business. Trevor Bauer takes his pitching very, very seriously. Very. And I, if you haven't watched the video, I mean, you don't even have to go to Red Lake Nation and watch it, although you should because I'd appreciate that. But you know, it, it's up on his YouTube channel. Um, just go to YouTube and search Momentum, and it'll be the first thing that pops up. Uh, I mean, he, he's It's the offseason. He's kind of giving you like a day in his life or whatever. But, you know, he's out in Seattle, and he's at Driveline, and – He's throwing pitches and manipulating his fingers, and you know he'll he'll slide them around the ball. He'll 
change up the pressure he's putting on each finger to try and figure out, okay, if I do this, then the pitch does this. If I do this a little bit less, it'll do that more. If I move it over here, it'll spin this way and it'll go this way a little bit more. And it, it's just it, it's really incredible to watch how that happens. And I mean that's that's kind of what he does. And he ta- he gets into you know the details of why he's doing this, and he wants the pitch to do a certain thing because it'll work with these other pitches that he already throws. And you know he says something to the extent of you know I, I want the pitch that I'm working on to have a purpose within my arsenal. Like you know he doesn't want he just doesn't want a, another pitch because it'll be another pitch. He wants it to be able to play off of what his other pitches already do to do something just a little bit different. So it'll kind of come off like, oh, it looks like these other pitches, but then at the very end, you know, like say a slider, for example, it, it'll break a little bit more than that, you know, change up or that cutter wheel or whatever he's going to throw. As a as a kid who, whenever I played baseball, I had coaches telling me I thought too much that that video just blew my mind because I'm like, wow, he thinks way more than I ever thought, and he's a professional. <laughs> but to be fair, you were also a kid when that was said to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, have, I couldn't have told you how to throw a cutter when I was, you know, 10. But, and, <laughs> and that's why you now talk about it. No. <laughs> yes. No, that is, that is exactly why. And the other that, thing... That, that and the athleticism, right? Oh, my athleticism knows no bounds except for the bounds of, you know, doing yoga and golfing. Um, that's about it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the one, the one thing that I also took out from that video is that the whole idea that he kind of said, he's like, you know, I'm only going to do one year contracts. I'm going to uh, play for contenders and teams that are trying to win in that particular season. I firmly believe that. I firm. I don't see him breaking from what he said there because when you see this video you see a businessman who yes he is a baseball player first and foremost but that does not run his life his life is completely consumed with business and the fact that his whole mantra is going to change to one-year contracts firmly believe that's going to happen and whenever he actually decides to sign somewhere I think it's going to be a surprise to everybody because I don't think he's going to be this kind of guy where, you know, reports get leaked or something like that, or at least not from his uh, perspective. At least that's how I take it. Look, all I'm saying is Trevor Bauer is not going to be signing with the Pittsburgh Pirates. No. <laughs> I, I, I feel very confident in that one. Pirates, um, Royals, Orioles, Marlins. Uh, Marlins. Yeah, you guys can take your name out of the running uh, right now. The draft, the whole idea of limiting it to five rounds, and I hate asking questions this way, but I really just want to get as big a picture from you as I possibly can. Talk about that. Okay, so for those who are unaware, and I'd imagine there are probably a lot of people out there that are unaware of that because of everything else that's going on in this wonderful time we're living through, mm-hmm. um, Major League Baseball has decided to uh, cut the draft back. It's usually 40 rounds. This year, it may only be five rounds. Um, The Players Association and Major League Baseball kind of agreed that that would be okay. Um, Now, they also gave Major League Baseball the option to make it more than five rounds if they would like to. It doesn't sound like that's going to happen right now. Um, Now, the first five rounds of the draft are going to have the same slot bonus values as they've had in the past. Um, 
it's supposed to go up by like two percent each year, but they they decided they're just going to stick with last year's uh, slot bonus pools, which yeah, it's it's two percent. It's not that much, not that big of a deal. Um, but players can only get ten percent of that signing bonus this year. They'll get the remaining fifty. They'll get fifty percent of the remaining cost on July first of twenty twenty one, and the remaining fifty percent on July first twenty twenty two. Now they've also made that apply for the following year's draft, um, except for the the bonuses will be pushed back an extra year, obviously. Um, now where things that I really don't like about how they played all of this is that anybody who goes undrafted but chooses to sign as a free agent, which you know, that's probably going to be more than a handful of guys, sure. they can only get twenty thousand dollars or less as a signing bonus. <laughs> uh, now. To put that in perspective, if you would have been the first pick of the sixth round last year, you'd have gotten over $300,000 as a signing bonus. Now the most you can get if you are the 161st best player in the country is $20,000. Uh, that I, I think that's going to be – I mean, that, that's a problem for me. And I understand that you know we're, we're all kind of dealing with tough times right now, um, but – I. A lot of these guys, I mean, these guys don't make money playing minor league baseball. A lot of these guys try and live off of and survive off of their signing bonus until they get to the major leagues, or at least get put on the 40-man roster, even if you're still in the minor leagues, because at that point you're making, I think it's $42,500 your first year uh, as things are set up right now on the 40-man roster if you've never been in the major leagues before. Um, you get, you do get a pay bump if you've been in the major leagues um, at, at that point. Uh, but if you only have... Let's say you get twenty thousand dollars. Well, some of that's going to your favorite Uncle Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, your your agent's going to get some of that. So I mean, what are you left with at that point? Twelve thousand dollars maybe to last you. I don't know three or three years if you're a very good prospect. I I don't know. It, it that that's the biggest part of the the whole situation that bothers me. Um, I, I do think that it kind of sucks that they're limiting the draft to maybe just five rounds. It, it takes away – I think it's going to take away the opportunity for a lot of guys. Um, now, we've seen college baseball or, well, I guess college sports in general um, extend the ability for players in the spring semester or, yeah, mm-hmm. the spring semester to have an extra year of eligibility, which in theory is good, except for they've also told guys that were seniors, if you're coming back, well, you can't get your scholarship and we're not offering you any financial aid. So those guys can come back, but then they got to pay for school on their own dime. It really puts those guys in, in a tough spot. Um, teams or college baseball has decided, or I don't know if it's college baseball or just all college sports in general, have decided that uh, even though they are expanding the rosters so that these guys can come back, uh, they don't necessarily have to offer them scholarships. That's up to each school. Well, baseball's a losing money sport at most schools. They're probably not going to just be like, yeah, you know what? Your 11.7 scholarships, it's now 15. I Maybe right. I'm just crazy. I just can't see that happening. Um, and so you're, you're going to come back with a situation where the guys that do come back may be paying out of their own pocket. Um, and if they don't, you know, you're still trying to split up 11.7 scholarships to guys. You know, a lot of high school guys that used to sign aren't going to be signing anymore. They're going to be going to college. And it's just, it's going to make a big whole huge mess that's going to have lasting repercussions throughout baseball. Uh, I mean, even professional baseball for probably the next decade. 
uh, because of how this is all going to play out in the next two years, just based solely on this year and next year's draft and what it does to college baseball in turn. It just makes me think that it's it's like Major League Baseball, and, and I I have no idea why the Players Association agreed with this, but it just makes me feel like Major League Baseball is daring people to play baseball now. It's Because like you look at a guy like Amir Garrett, who was a 29th round draft pick, and he had the chance, he probably could have you know, uh, pursued a basketball career if he really wanted to. And now, a, a guy like that, which I know, there's not like a ton of two-sport athletes out there. They don't just grow on trees or anything, but if if you're Amir Garrett and you go undrafted and you're telling me that your earning potential for at least the first little bit is capped very, very low, wouldn't you want to pursue maybe like going to the G League or going overseas and playing basketball or something like that? Like, I just, I, I think it's a dumb idea. I don't know why they're limiting it to only five rounds and things. I mean, the NFL has a seven round draft and they used to have even longer than that. And you're going from 40 to five. Like I, I, I don't get it. I, I probably the only explanation I could come up with in my mind is, Hey, we're trying to make this more palatable for television, which in long term is going to be less palatable for the sport of baseball as a whole. I mean, I, I I think that it comes down to simple money. Uh, they don't want to spend the money on the draft. Um, this this is going to save them hundreds of millions of dollars between all of the teams. And and I again, I I don't want to say I I don't get it because I get it. Like they're going to be losing a lot of money this year because they're not playing baseball. And if they do get back to playing baseball, it's probably not going to be with fans in the stands. Right. So even though that's not the the biggest revenue source for them anymore, it's still a decent amount of money. So, like, I understand that you are trying to cut where you can cut it, and from the Players Association side of things, they're thinking about the current players, not the future players. Um, and that, that, that always kind of bothers me, because, I mean, it's just, those are the people that don't really have a say at the table, but you're selling away their rights. But uh, that's a different topic for a different day, I guess. I just, it, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm wrong a lot, but it seems to me that this is almost setting up a natural attrition that leads to the minor league cuts that Rob Manfred has been trying to institute. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot more to it than that, and even if they had a full draft, I still think that we might be seeing that anyways. Uh, Baseball America actually had an article out this morning uh, discussing just how difficult it might be for some of these teams to survive, uh, because even if we get Major League Baseball this year, it, it seems almost impossible that we're getting Minor League Baseball this year, right. um, at least at the home stadiums. You know, Those Minor League Baseball teams, there's probably 15 of them that have local televised games. And the amount of money that they get from those games is next to nothing. It's not like, you know, the Reds who are getting, you know, $500,000 per game put on Fox Sports Ohio. Um, you know, the Dayton Dragons are not making that much money for their 25 home games that are on. Uh, I don't even know. I can't remember what channel they're on up in Dayton. But And they're one of the very few teams that actually has a television deal. Um, and so... There's a lot of concern out there that, you know, even if we do get baseball back, there's not going to be minor league baseball. And a lot of these minor league baseball teams are going to be able to, they're, they're just not going to be able to keep existing because they don't have the money. 
Um, you know, there's there's some speculation out there that maybe some of the the towns that these teams are in are going to try and help them, but I mean, nothing's really happened with that yet. It's all just talk. Um, you know, are are you going to take out loans um, without really knowing what's in front of you? Because as you mentioned, you know, Major League Baseball is trying to kill off some of these teams, anyways. Uh, are you, are you going to take out a business loan that you're going to have to pay back for a business that you may not be able to run next year? Like there, there's a lot of things going on that are just, I mean, it's really working against minor league baseball as a whole. And that that's one of the big concerns is that there's not going to be enough teams in 2021 if we can get baseball back. I, Man, I hope we get it soon. I hope they get a plan going soon because that's been the most annoying thing about this whole ordeal is that there is no plan forward and every single day we look for the people that are trying to make the plan and they don't seem to really have too many concrete thoughts about that hopefully we start to see a change um got i know there's still plenty of stuff coming up at redlegnation.com and redsminorleagues.com what kind of previews do we got what what kind of things we got coming down the pipe well over at reds minor leagues actually started something today um I'm going back and looking at players of the decade. And, I mean, I'm going to go back as far as I can, which, I mean, I feel like I can actually go back to at least the 1940s and, and nice. look at the, the farm system. Um, I actually just uh, this morning finished up writing about Devin Mezzarocco's 2010 season. Uh, he's He spent time over three years – or over, over three years <laughs> – over three <laughs> levels in the minor leagues. And, I mean, he it was, it was the year the, – the first year that he really broke out and kind of put himself back on the prospect map. Um and and so you know that that was fun to kind of think back because you know I I've been doing this for 15 years but if I'm doing it by decade that means I'm only going to be able to have seen you know a handful of these guys actually play that are in contention for these awards uh, and so you know I can actually put myself back in that that mindset right now where I'm like yeah I remember when this was happening and it was crazy because you know Devin Mezzarocco was a guy who was you know 15th overall draft pick first rounder you know had all this potential and then you know he he got hurt a lot early in his career. Kind of, kind of similar to what Tyler Stevenson's gone through, actually. Um, and you know, you could always kind of see those flashes of the talent, but he could never be any anywhere near consistent with it. And then he just out of nowhere, he just blew up. And the next thing you know, he, you know, he's, you know, the guy that they kept over Yasmani Grandal when they made the big trade for we're going to bring this full circle, Matt Latos. Uh, <laughs> and and you know that 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 was that was a fun time. And then, well, unfortunately, he got to the majors and he couldn't stay healthy again. And well, now we wish that Yasmani Grandal had been the guy they held on to. But, you know, maybe that wasn't possible, too. Maybe the Padres were like, hey, we want Yasmani Grandal or this isn't happening. You know, we, right. we, don't, we don't know that exact story. So so that, 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 that's what I'm working on at Reds Minor Leagues. Uh, at Red Lake Nation, um, we, we've got some historical stuff. And um, actually, you know, yesterday, which I guess by the time you're listening to this, it was two days ago, was Jackie Robinson Day in Major League Baseball. And it, it's it's one of my favorite days of the year in, in Major League Baseball, and we we didn't really get to celebrate it the same way that we usually do because well there's unfortunately no baseball. So I wrote about Jackie Robinson's first trip to Cincinnati. Now if if you're a baseball historian, you've seen the movie Forty Two, and maybe you just heard the story. Um, you know when Jackie Robinson and the Dodgers came through Cincinnati and Crosley Field in 1947, fans were not thrilled about it, and they were they were they were giving him. Uh, how do I want to say this? A very uncool treatment, so to speak. And this, the story goes that Pee Wee Reese walked across the infield and put his arm around Jackie Robinson, kind of as a, a sign of solidarity with his teammate, and just kind of be like, hey, guys, it's fine. Like, you're, 
this isn't cool. And you know that, that that's a big thing. It's it you know a big point in the movie Forty Two. It's a story that's kind of been passed down over the generations. That story might not have happened that way. It, first off, it may not even happened in Cincinnati, and it's really unlikely that it happened in nineteen forty seven. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of wrote about that, and that was just that was fun because I I just stumbled upon that while looking at you know what Jackie Robinson did in Cincinnati the first time he came through. Just I thought it was something you know, worth writing about on Jackie Robinson Day, especially with no baseball, just kind of looking for things to write about. I'm like, well, let's see how he did. We've got, you know, thank you, baseballreference.com. We can look up all of these things and find out exactly, you know, how Jackie Robinson played every day in 1947. And uh, I kind of stumbled upon that. I was like, yeah, that's actually a really interesting story. So you'll definitely want to go check out Doug's work over there at redsmineleagues.com. I mean, that, that sounds like an awesome deal. The looking at the prospects back all the way back to the forties, that would be really interesting. And then Jackie Robinson, I, I was watching a little bit of the coverage that major league ba- or MLB network had on television last night. And uh, just thinking of what we could have been watching instead of just watching older games and stuff, it kind of bummed me out a little bit, but I know that we will be watching baseball hopefully uh, later this year and definitely next year. So, Doug, thank you very much, sir. I can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. That'll do it for today's episode and this week of Locked On Reds. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. That way you don't miss any episodes. If you if you did, go back and check it out. I got the chance to talk with Yid. We had a really good time talking about some memories of Marty, Joe, and Cowboy, and just talking about what it's been like working in the Reds on radio booth for the last 30-plus years. Also had some other good stuff looking at the 1940. Cincinnati Reds and Cam Miller talking about Crosley Field. Next week, we're going to be looking at some fun memories from last season. Yeah, I know when you look back on a season that wasn't a winning season, it's hard to pick out, but there's plenty of good memories to glean from. We'll talk about those next week. I've got Stephen Offenbaker coming on at the beginning of the week and Joel Luckup toward the middle of the week as well. You're not going to want to miss any of those episodes. Also, Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked On Reds and save that Locked On Reds line number into your phone. Promise we're actually going to get to some of those next week on one of our episodes, one or two or who knows how many episodes we'll get to some Locked On Reds line stuff. But get your questions in, get your comments in, reactions, whatever you've got, 513-549-0159. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Reds podcast now. Tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On Major League Baseball. Thanks so much, guys, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.